You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a platform that we've created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Paul Hackett, and I'm your host. Welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange. Today, we'll be talking about creating a healthy culture in a gaming studio. Uh, thanks very much, guys, for joining. Uh, starting off with intros, Alice, would you like to introduce yourself first, please? Yeah, it's like, hi, I'm Alice. I'm Chief People Officer at Boston Games. Um, been in the games industry about five or six years, was previously at Jagex. So Jagex was super big, about 450 people when I was there, and Bossa is about 60. So shift of culture, but still in the games industry and love being part of a super creative industry. Very cool. Henrik? Yeah, pleasure being here. Um, my name is Henrik No. I'm working at Mindark. been at Mindark for six years, and I've been the CEO for the last five it's also my first job in the gaming industry, so all my experience comes from that. But it's obviously you talk to people inside the industry and you learn a lot. Um, and it's been super important for me to create a, a, a healthy, uh, healthy environment as much as possible together with the, the rest of the people working here. Today we are around uh, yeah, 60 full-time employees and then we have some on-site consultants and off-site consultants as well. And we work a hybrid model right now hybrid remotes. Cool. Sana? Yes, thanks, thanks, Paul, for having me. I'm super excited to meet you and also Henrik, Henrik and Alice and to discuss such an exciting topic today. Uh, I'm Sanna Pirafonen, HR manager at Imedia Entertainment, and we are based in Espoo, Finland. We also have uh, office in Stockholm, Sweden, and we are best known for Alan Wake, Max Payne, and Anupotron, and currently working Hybrid uh, on several interesting projects. Personally, I've been in, in the games industry for five years and doing HR somewhere around uh, eight years in total. So that's about me, I guess. Fantastic. Right. So let's kick off with the first question then. Alice, we'll start with you. Uh, so your question is, how do you quickly build trust and openness within fully remote teams? So do you want to give obviously some context around that? Yeah, so as a result of COVID, we um, obviously everybody was forced to go remote and that, that then prompted us to consider how we wanted to work going forward. Um, and so a combination of tons of surveys and talking to all of our teams, we decided to go um, fully remote and actually this year got rid of our studio. So we are truly fully remote now. Um, so I think being able to bring in new people into teams and actually work in games teams where things move super quickly. Um, I think that trust and openness between team members and particularly between, between producers and their team is really important. And you have to be able to do that fairly quickly because of the pace of how quick you move in making a game. So I was just super keen to get people's views on how they think best to approach that to be set up for success. Henrik, be intrigued to get your thoughts on that as a hybrid studio. Absolutely, no, I think it's it's a great question, um, and especially both in fully remote or hybrid model, everybody have, will have different needs, and obviously everybody has different prerequisites when it comes to what they need in order to succeed. And I think that is the basis of where you need to like handle or tackle the problem, um, and. I think there's definitely a lot of different ways in how you can use how you can do that, but I think the, 
the most important thing is to create that autonomy for people uh, without it just becoming chaos and everybody wanting different things at the same time. So how like do you structure something like that in in uh, and especially in a scenario where it's uh, fully remote? Um, but I, I think to just go in a little deeper into that as well, um, you know, you, you should encourage people to experiment. You know, for example, give people a specific budget. For example, I'm now I'm just talking about their personal workplace if you're fully remote because rather than just saying okay this is the standard kit that we send to everybody rather you know let people choose by themselves uh, what they feel they need um and just like you said there when you when you gave the the background in the gaming industry you know communication flows in all different directions and especially if you're sitting in different time zones how do you how do you like handle uh how do you handle that and i think it is about formalizing informal communication really and it's i think it's an easy thing to say but if you do have a good uh, structure of communication and documentation so if you have that and that's working properly i think you can have like a asynchronous uh, work in place um, then it does everybody doesn't need to be awake at the same time um then i think having these team activities and uh, super important i feel at, le at least and what i love love about being at the office is that you can have these informal chats you can talk to people uh, at the coffee machine and it's very hard to to do that when everybody's sitting at home right but i think with the right tools you can create these uh, you know virtual environments where you can just have a chat and it can be people and you can do activities together and i think especially during covid you know doing you can have beer tasting um for example <laughs> Uh, so I think you do have to understand that there's no one size fits all approach, but rather try to just create um, create the prerequisites so everybody can can find their their spot and thrive based on that. Um, and yeah, <laughs> just like I've been talking forever. But yeah, that's my initial take. Excellent. Yeah, basically uh, about the communication, I, I quite align uh, with, with Henrik. So basically, my experiences and opinions is basically based on those that we had when Remedy had to shift from being a fully on-site to studio, then uh, COVID hit to be fully remote, and then again, now, now we are hybrid. So it's mostly then about the time we were fully fully remote and now now hybrid uh, that I base, base my learnings on. So about the communication, uh, I think the crucial learning is that you have to have a lot of communication, what we do, how, how we do, what is the like policy and rules where how we do do the remote. And as with like any any big change or anything that's uh, important, the communication needs to happen via like multiple channels. You need to have the Slack, you need to have the internet, whatever tools you use. And if you have company meetings, then of course utilize utilize those because people have a thirst for information. They they want to know how how it's done, and it's not only something that's just. Uh, management effort of course it needs to include all all the things that teams that actually need to make the remote happen so that you do get the input and what what is actually possible what what can be done 
So I think that's that's super important. And following again uh, about the social aspect, since we know that for some people uh, it's it's more important to be at the office and have the like face face to face quality time. So definitely, if it's possible, I would say that do gather the people every now and then in case there is not like a world pandemic pro- prohibiting it, but. Uh, in addition to having the like Zoom coffees or or team meets, teams meet so that you can meet meet in in real life because it it's it really makes a ton of difference when you can have this more informal chat and get to know what's going on in everybody's day to daily life and just get out of the like virtual meeting marathon so to say so have a bit more informal and and relaxed relaxed time. And about the, like having a bit bit more structure, uh, I would say that that is really something that's important, especially for like leaders and managers, because then you don't have those that hey, I'm running into you at the coffee machine. Can we talk about this this and that situation? So I think it really needs to be structured and and. The communication and collaboration requires more time and planning uh, than those like impromptu meets meets at the coffee machine. So definitely the role of one-on-ones and just having having that space where the team members can can speak up if they have thoughts related to their career or what's going on beside just the like actual work we are doing right now, so that they can speak up with you directly. Uh, I think those is the like really really important things that needs to needs to happen uh, just to build build the trust and openness I, th- I think some of that stuff and um, in the games industry naturally follow certain phases of production right so that's quite mm-hmm. like uses to do that is not easy but there's a structure already in place I think the bit that um maybe I sometimes take a little bit for granted is being in HR or recruitment team, you naturally meet a lot of people across the company. So even if you're new, I just hired two new people in the team and they both fit in super fast, got to know people, but because for their role, they have to. And actually, I think I wonder for maybe slightly more junior people in the company that don't have to interact, interact much outside their team, do they feel able to be open with their views and opinions because they're not getting to know people on that same level? So I think there's definitely a piece there about how do we encourage that openness for people that maybe don't get as much exposure across the company but i think i mean trust always takes time time is the key factor and then obviously you have to create a scenario where you can spend time with each other and of course you know you can't the bigger company you you have you can't have super close relationship with each and every employee but at the same time it does help if you actually you know you can see the other person who they are and it's not just a like profile pic on on slack or whatever and um, we've been tailoring a little bit with introducing newly employees with people from around the organization even that they don't have they're not going to work that close on a day-to-day basis but just an opportunity for them to get a, a face to the name they can have a more informal chat about you know the the person that's work that the company can say what they do and how they fit in into the organization and things like that, which is, you know, otherwise it's, it's the day to day, there's so little time, you know, you're focused on your tasks and you talk to the people that you feel that you should talk to. 
but I think to create that, uh, you know, a, a, a good feeling within within the team and inside the whole company is to introduce people to each other in what feels a natural way. And if that is clear from the start, for example, that hey, you know, you're going to talk to seven different people uh, within the next five weeks or whatever. These are the ones that we're thinking of, and here you go. Then it's going to be feel natural. Um, yeah. One idea, at least. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, uh, we used to do it when we were in the office, actually. We did SMT time, where each member of the senior management team would meet. But that we tried to replicate it remote and wasn't quite the same. So I, I th- um, think maybe we could introduce something there that just gives that level of exposure across the company. We do it with our um, co-CEOs, and we have a share the love every Friday where the whole company get together and listen to updates from the different teams. But that's in big group setting. And so I really like that idea of choosing some key people across the company for people to meet in their first few weeks. I think that's a nice way to quickly um, build relationships. If I can, sorry, Sam, yeah, if you're... We'll continue, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I was thinking, especially when we're for fully remote teams, I think the, the importance of having really thought out like core values and what you as a as a company stand for becomes even more important because you know if you're at the office and you meet people then you know you live those core values in, in a easier way but it is harder it, it is harder i believe in a in a fully remote uh, situation and, and i think it, it becomes even more important to find those people that not necessarily uh, is a culture fit, but more a value fit. Because if they buy into the values, then you know, you know, uh, you know what what is expected of them, and they're a good fit in that way. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that that's a that's a way to do it. Mm. Senegal, what you had something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in regards to like uh, how how to make sure that you know also also the juniors to stay on board. I think that's an ex- excellent topic because that's of course be to be remote or at at the office office is something that's super super important so that we can make help them grow into a professionals and seniors seniors one day so i would think it's the same uh same process in in that sense that you need to have especially like regular check-ins so then be it be it remote at, at the office and of course the onboarding plays a huge role in in that that as well regarding the like in introductions uh we have this like company-wide newsletter called the friday drop where we actually ask every newcomer to introduce themselves just make a short short video so everybody gets to know know the new person and like what what are their hobbies and what what they come to do here so i think that's actually quite quite nice uh nice thing so people get to know know the like person behind the name that's just box up software yeah, definitely. I think that values piece is really important. We did at our most recent offsite, we ran a value session. So like our, our values are from quite a long time ago and we're a completely different studio. Um, so we're we're about to kick off that piece of work. But it was really interesting that even people that have joined in the fully remote setting had this viewed our values as the same as people have been here for a very long time. So there was something quite strong with our culture and values. Um, but we've not necessarily defined it. So I think that piece of work will definitely be important because I think 
you can't read people as well on a screen as you can in in the room so if someone's a bit more quiet or someone doesn't agree it's harder to pick up on is, is that because they don't have a view or is it because they don't feel comfortable raising it so if you if i think if you live your values more and if that is around openness and good communication you can encourage people in that way to um, live the values and be good examples of that to help bring people's confidence up as well to be more open yeah, I think that 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 sounds uh, fully fully understandable to like help the health build the life cycle of ecological safety and and trust so that people feel that they they can be themselves and ex- express who who they are. So I think that's super important in relation to trust. Yeah, I think also that you know the question that you ask is a, a wonderful question to ask your different teams as well how they view it and. As long as, because just asking the question shows that you're you're definitely open to feedback, mm-hmm. and then you you hopefully get something which you can iterate on and improve. And like you said, you haven't you haven't been fully remote for a super long time. And as long as you have that openness and not okay, this is the only way we're gonna do it, and <laughs> we're gonna keep it for many many years. But rather just be open to to iteration and open to suggestions. I think is it goes a long way. No. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I think what what you Hendrik mentioned there is 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 important. So that the like willingness and openness to learn learn and iterate. I think that's something like also within the industry and and culture that sometimes we do do things and then you know see does it does it work? If not, what was the learnings and how how do we move on? So I think it it can be also fully applied applied here with the remote practices as well. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Super helpful points there, definitely. Yeah. yeah, very cool points, especially around the difference of onboarding junior members in comparison to members that would probably integrate with multiple teams at the same time. They have an entirely different onboarding experience as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's not entirely gaming studio related, but one thing that we've done is when the we've got new people that start, if they pick up on something very quickly then we get them to kind of like do a demonstration about what they've done. And it's one way that they basically get some exposure to the to the team or other teams as well. And they learn it even better as well. So like the best way to learn is to teach. So it reinforces it with them and they get that exposure as well that they um, are looking for across the teams as well. So there's some really good points that you guys have there. Moving on to question number two, Sana. Um, what do you think can be indicators of a healthy culture? Uh, how is it measurable is the question that uh, you're looking to get some answers on. Do you want to give some context around that as well? Yeah, uh, actually I came up uh, with the idea of this question uh, while listening to a webinar about culture some, some time ago. Um, while listening to it, it came to mind that this culture is something that uh, has like varying definitions. And then people understand it very differently, you know, even like across, but also within the organization. So how do you actually like measure and, and defi- define that this is a healthy, healthy culture uh, came, came to mind? So like how, is there like any, any clear indicators of how, how do you observe what is, what is a healthy culture? How, how about you, Alice? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's a really interesting because culture is such a big word and there's so many different, like you say, I do think there's so many different elements that make up culture and it can feel like this big, scary, almost corporate word in a way that if you overthink it, it it loses its meaning. So I, th- I think there's multiple things that um, make it up. I think it's it links very closely to the values of the company and the individuals. Um, I see that culture can change over time as well. Um and that you shouldn't feel like if you have a perfect culture tagline that that's it for the rest of the company. I think it's always, like we said about the last point of iterating and reviewing where you're at, you might be making a different type of game, you might be hiring globally rather than just the UK and suddenly your culture shifts. So it's, I, th- I think it's fairly hard to measure, but I think um, I think engagement feeds into it. If you've got an engaged team mm-hmm. and like if you're using some kind of engagement platform that that's quite a turn on the culture, particularly if you have a couple of questions around that driver. And p- do people understand the culture? Do they feel that um, the company lives the culture? Um, and also in the people that you hire, like I think it, if they can articulate what they think the business stands for through their interview process and fairly new to join, then that's a really key indicator to having quite a strong culture. Um, and, and that mix of people that have been there for a longer time and a shorter time if they've got a similar view on what the culture of the business is I think that's a really good sign and because I think that shows that you live in your culture through your different processes that you've got so so I don't think there's one set way to measure it I think there's multiple different ways in which you can sense if you've got a healthy good working culture well thank you Hendrik Man, it is a tricky question for sure to yes. measure measure culture, um, but I think I think it is. I mean, Alice, you were talking about it. It's a combination of of different things, and then sort of that will give you an indication of if it is healthy or not. So, uh, for us, example, uh, for example, we use uh, something called Office Vibe, which sends out questionnaires about I think it's ten ten once a week, and it's ten different different metrics. And then after all, everything is anonymous. But then after a while, you will get a rating in these different categories from zero to ten, and you can get the get the view. At least there's one indication of how we're doing. And for example, if it is you know recognition, we suck at recognition. Okay, great. Then we we could probably focus on that. Or if it is something else, uh, so that is one indication um, without doubt. But I think. I think also, you know, just measuring participation in different activities or see how many people are on sick leave. All these are different tells uh, which really give you an indication. Uh, Obviously, if there's a flu going on, don't read too much into (laughs) that specific one. But over time, you can get a a feel of uh, whether you have a healthy culture or not. And I think another one is... I mean, I get scared sometimes when people aren't bringing up problems or not talking about, you know, issues because then it is okay, you know, great, we're we're awesome. Or it could be that it's the absolute opposite that people don't feel comfortable sharing their opinions about certain things. So I think having having that mix of obviously you don't want everybody bringing up issues because then then it's it's too much. But if there's a healthy balance of just that openness that people feel comfortable sharing what is important to them, I think that is a good sign that if you can talk about problems, um, it helps and that you can work with them, work together to to improve. 
Yeah, I think that's like really excellent, excellent points you mentioned there. That because there is the like more more numeric or more like so to say easily measurable ones where you can do get get the data and get get the analytics. But also uh, the like so to say silent indicators. So when when you go go to the office or are on with the people, like. Uh, it, it really shows, uh, I think, how people interact uh, in a day-to-day basis. So do they like turn towards people more than just, you know, be be in their own own place? Is there smiles? Or is everybody greeting each other? Do they ask also things out, outside of work? And do they express their opinions? Um, I think that's like super important because, of course, we... We all know then, like, uh, dangers of the organizational minds if there's only the yes-yes culture, so to say. So if, if people don't, don't bring up uh, the issues and discuss, discuss about uh, those and also about the analytics, that, that's really important because you do are, are able to measure measure something in my opinion as well. We use a civil factor perhaps uh, called PECON, where we also measure various kinds of things. So definitely that would be in the toolkit of that modern organization considering developing their their culture in my opinion. And also about the like sick leaves and, and turnover. That if you know people aren't happy with the culture, they're not going to stay there for long. So that's that's, I think, it's, it's a clear indicator. And of course, asking the people. So that would be, you know, how do they feel about the company company culture and what what do they, do they see as important and how, how are they feeling? Is the culture healthy? So asking the people would be would be beneficial. Sorry, go on. <laughs> okay, I'll be short. But I'm I'm just thinking about you know the term healthy culture because let's say that you have you know you have nine nine teams out of ten which are mm. you know met- metrics is is in place they're they're happy a little sick leave all these things that we talked about but there's one team mm. which for whatever reason is the opposite. Mm. Would you say that the company has a healthy culture? Yes or no? It's like where do you? Where do you make the definition of a health, healthy culture? Is it on an individual basis? Is it team basis? Is it you know bigger than that? And I think it is tricky. I mean, the concept of a culture is tricky for sure. But I was just curious yeah. if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, I think that's a super, uh, a super important topic because yeah, culture really is all about all about the people, and that's that's uh, like really affects, of course, the immediate team, the people who we are working. It affects the concept and our, our perceptions of of the company culture. You can have the like greatest culture ever, but if the team we're working is 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 quite different from that, then uh, is the like individual able to say that you know, hey, we have the best best culture ever so definitely that that's an I- interesting topic and uh, I would say not so easy to answer uh, so it, it might be that within the organizations yes there's different teams uh, different different subcultures so to say so there can be va- variation even though the like overall level of the culture healthiness of the organization would be relatively high. Well, sorry to jump in, but you're saying that you also use 
econ and that's actually a survey tool that we use on a i think it's like a quarterly basis or a monthly basis i'm not too sure mm -hmm. but that one if you're specifically on about like a team by team culture the pecon survey you can actually separate it so you can actually see like the different departments have like different levels of nps i think the term is yes. there so you'll basically you'll see like this team is doing well in these areas this team is doing well in these areas and this team's in red so there's stuff that needs to be addressed there so from yes. a team by team basis pecon is actually a really good tool uh to use for that i'm not sure if it was like office uh what was the one that you had Henrik office something office, office vibe but it's yeah. set up in a similar way yeah but Henrik do you mean that if nine out of ten teams are super high engagement and one is really low does that mean the whole company's yeah I, I, I think I think depends why different teams are going through different cycles at different times we've got one team at the moment that are in production and they're buzzing they're super exciting and another team that are waiting for something to spin up and so naturally the engagement is going to be different for those teams um so i think that surveys that are regular enough so we use people as well we do bi-monthly we tried it more regular but um participation just dropped but surveys that are regular enough to know how people are really feeling and making sure that you understand why so if engagement has dropped in a team it doesn't necessarily mean the whole company you need to look at but what's going on there like is it the point of the project and is the producer aware and the managers aware what are they doing about it are they having conversations with the team to understand what needs to change and you can't always promise the next project but is it that actually they don't feel they've been communicated to or they feel a bit out the loop or it, I think it's really digging into the why and um, to then know whether you're comfortable with that team being slightly their engagement for a period of time, knowing that you've got a plan to hopefully see that increased again. Yeah, makes sense. And I think, I mean, also <clears throat> from my point of view, it is, you know, you can do as much as you possibly can when it comes to try and create a, you know, a positive culture, healthy environment, all that. But obviously, you know, if you're a thousand people, there's always going to be a couple of individuals which just doesn't fit, and it, it it doesn't matter how much uh, you know how much time or money you put into it, it's just not going to work. It's it was a bad fit. Uh, but I think that is the importance of just trying to set up the right preconditions for everybody to thrive. That doesn't mean that everybody is going to thrive, but at least there is an opportunity, and and yeah, focusing on that. I think that is important to um, to remember sometimes. But you're also in the passion industry as well. So obviously emotions will run higher. And if you've got like a big game that's going to be released and you've got, it's not like a, a generic app, which there's not really people waiting for, you know, the next train update to come out on an app, but you've got people waiting for updates for games. So there's a lot more of a consumer focus that needs to go into it and you get a lot more feedback on like reddit and so on for the games that you release so that does play on the minds of people in a cultural perspective as well of course i would say it's quite interesting if um people feel that they work for the game that they're working on or they work for the company that that game has been i, I find that quite interesting and i think that can sometimes be an indicator of culture and when we look at, um, if we do talent mapping and, and looking at engagement and team performance, that's one of the things we look at is, are they engaged outside of their game team? 
because that, that that's quite an indicator i think as to whether they feel part of the bigger culture or whether they're in isolation with their game team and we always try and and i think that's why i quite like our share the love on a friday that is the game team showing off everything that they're doing so that you feel that you're part of it together and um, because you can go in a bit of a silo particularly fully remote i think even more so you're only joining the meetings that are relevant for your role and um, so yeah i think that's quite interesting as well yeah, especially that, like, how how do people participate in the, like, common and outside their special uh, area events? So are they interested in, you know, participating in company meetings, you know, having show and tells, presenting their work? I think that shows uh, an indicator of, like, enthusiasm towards the company and also enthusiasm to be in, like, uh, collaboration with, with the other people. So I think that's an excellent point. I think our our solution is we only we have one game which has been running for 20 years so it's never ending and it's never going to have a finish but we also have I mean we have something called wham which is what happens at Mindark and then okay. it's like we talk about um, we talk about especially from management point of view you know talking about what we've been up to and what's important for everybody to yeah, to think about in the, in the near future but then yeah, I, th- I think participating and for us, it's more about the different teams or, or squads that share what they've been doing, even though everybody's working at the same on the same product in this case. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. Very cool. All right, well, I'll move on to the final question, which is from Henrik. Where do you draw the line when investing in culture? So before people jump on this bandwagon, I'll let him give some context around it. So Henrik, over to you. Man, do I sound like an asshole when I'm asking this question? It sounds like I'm, you know, man, why should we invest in culture? But (laughs) definitely don't get me wrong here. Uh, I mean, we've been talking uh, this whole podcast about the importance of a healthy culture and how important it is to create a positive work environment and, and all that. And it, it is super duper important, isn't it? Um, but I feel, you know, obviously at a certain point, there is a threshold in how much a company can invest in the culture. Um, I'm talking money-wise, talking time-wise as well. And what, what I mean by that is at a certain level, you will get diminishing returns on the investments that you are making. So from my perspective is, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Because I think, it, especially with with us talking here today, we seem to be very aligned about the importance all in all. Um, I'm, I myself been talking about creating the prerequisites for everybody to thrive. But do you? Maybe the question should be: Do you draw a line, or if there are wishes coming in, do you get like, man, if I say no to this, people are gonna you know hate the company or, or things like that? So how do you? Yeah, what are your thoughts about that? So, Alice, you look eager. Uh, yeah, I, I think it depends what you mean by investment with it. I, I think um, I'm just thinking of the differences I've had and, and partly thinking budget, right? So, if you, it, the bigger the budget, the easier it is to spend. But the more you can end up doing things that aren't necessarily connected to what people really want because you don't have to think as much about what you're doing. So, I'm thinking about like a well-being budget and a big well-being strategy where we're doing things all the time and getting speakers in and paying a couple of thousand pounds to get a speaker in but people don't have the time to go to the talk there's that 
TikTok that I hate because it makes HR look just like they don't know what they're doing. But like there is that cliche, I think, of of where you can spend money and, and is that really what people want or is it just what you think people want? So I think uh, for me, it's about using insights like Pecon to look at your core topics or your core issues or your core drivers that are important to the business and really focusing down on them. So communication for us being fully remote is top priority, whether that be that we've got a new starter, that someone's leaving, that we're making changes on a game, whatever it is, communication is always like we have to put so much energy into it and that will make a big difference to our culture. That to me is 100% worth the time and it doesn't cost much, if, if anything at all. It's just people's time. So I think it, it really depends. And I think not just doing things for the sake of doing it, I, I think it's very easy to put together a culture deck or a values deck or a wellbeing deck that's got all shiny things with all the right words in it that every other company's posted about on LinkedIn. Is that what's important to the people that work for you? So for me, it's that constant stopping and reflecting, whether it be once a quarter as a leadership team and saying, what are we doing? What are we working on? What's important to people? And are we focusing our energy on the right things? Would people rather we invested in managers having mental health awareness training or would they rather us get someone in to do a talk? Like, Which is going to be more beneficial for how people feel and the dynamic of our teams? And Because I think it's very... Uh, I mean, boss is only small, so our budgets aren't as huge as what I had previously. So it forces, I, I kind of like it because it forces me to think, where should we be spending our money? What's the right things to invest in that is going to ultimately help us with our culture? Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it depends what it is as to how far you go with the investment. Um, and I think it's the leadership's team responsibility to reflect on that regularly and then support the leaders across the business with that. I love your take on this, Alice. Definitely do. Yes. Sana? I think the world soccer like important topics and it, it must like derive from what is in important from your business. Uh, I think we can all say that it's more like you have to invest in, in culture because it will happen anyway. So it's up to the company leadership and management then to think like, oh, where do we want to direct this? What kind of company we, we want to be? So definitely there needs to be like some action and investing investing in place but uh it can be quite quite different because uh you are never investing in just culture alone because it it links to so many topics there is the team events company events the well well-being and, and training and all all that kind of stuff so i think really personally i haven't seen uh, like dedicated culture budgets that would like really be super comprehensive in any any organization and then there's also that you know everybody's time aspect so what does it cost when you put uh, 10 managers in in one row for a day for culture workshops for example in smaller companies of course it's easier to just you know gather everyone and host host the workshop internally but for bigger companies uh, i would say it's of course a different discussion when you consider that should we get like a consultant, cultural auditor or someone else to help us do do the work and, and the definition with with the company. So that's that's a thing, an investment to be considered as as well. And I, I think it's uh, actually something 
we are we are thinking and and defining uh, at the moment since during the time I have been at Remedies, we have doubled doubled our headcount, and of course it's it's not the same 100 same company anymore, but definitely the DNA is there, and now we just have to find out like what what is the like essentials of of Remedy and what is still the like direction where we want to go, what kind of culture we want to have. So in in relation to that this is super super interesting topic additionally one one could of course look at then uh the like reverse investment so to say so what does the culture in, in chaos cost to you so the turnover the recruitment costs and and the security based abscesses so what what does those cost to the company not like a positive invest investment so to say but uh to look at the cost side and without doubt, there's a lot of hidden costs in in having a, you know, even a toxic environment. And sometimes people forget that. So doing those investments is definitely a good idea on on many different levels. But I think also, uh, you know, there's there's so many so many different aspects that go into a culture. It could be just your, you know, what benefits do I have as an individual working at the company? That's one thing, which is pretty much more related to um like to the actual cost like money what it costs the company to provide these benefits but what you're talking about ls i really liked a lot with you know part of the culture obviously is as well just listening to people and taking care of the issues that they have and just to be clear that's definitely you know high up on my list of importance um but yeah oh great insights uh, from you both really appreciate it we talked actually when we do our quarterly talent mapping, something we want to introduce and I don't want to call them stay interviews because they feel a little bit, I don't like the name of it, but something similar where you really understand individuals' motivations. Like you see it through PCOM, but that's anonymous and it's team-based. And But actually like what keeps you at Bossa? Like is it that it, you, you get paid a good salary and you've got good benefits package and you like the people? Is it the flexibility? Is it the fact we're fully remote? Because then you start to get to know your team on a different level and you know where their motivations are um, and, and you shouldn't then get any big surprises. Um, so I think something like that can be really valuable and that, that will take a bit of time to build up and become natural for people and people to feel that they can be truly open. But just that check-in, like, are you enjoying the game that you're working on? Are you enjoying your role? Like, what development are you looking for? There's there's a lot you can get out of those conversations that I think sometimes we can get into the pattern of just having one-to-one meetings that become quite operational and then the department meetings and actually when do you get to just chat to that person and check in with them from a bit more of a personal and career perspective that that could as well bring some good bring some stuff to light that you maybe hadn't been thinking of yeah i was i was also thinking when you when you said uh, these things alice that obviously people care about the salary right you need salary in order to survive your your you know day to day but at the end of the day it's going to take a hell of a lot of money for someone to stay at the company just for the sake of money if you truly hate your your workplace and uh, yeah it's i definitely can feel that in post-pandemic interviews that sure i mean salary is is one thing but that isn't the the ultra one focus that you don't care about the rest it's like you know salary is the the baseline okay we're we're agreement over the salary, but 
we definitely need to talk more about if we're a good fit for each other, both as company and individuals. And I think that's a, a wonderful direction that you know the whole world is going, or maybe not the whole world, but at least the gaming industry, which I feel. So, oh. Yeah, that's an excellent point, I think, you know, Yes, especially in, in the passion in industry, it's not just about, about the salary. Of course, people also want to have in, interesting projects, but also since there has been has been discussion about the work-life balance, then that's becoming like at least more and more important so that you do have the time for life, life outside of work, which is the like real life that happens to us and, and the flexibility. So it's not just the like one one-way street but also the like family leaves and all all kinds of life situations do do play an important role yeah and i and i think also based on that uh the you know, hero mentality that some people have that you should rather actually encourage the anti-hero mentality you know it is what it is uh you shouldn't leave your family behind for the sake of work and and fostering that into uh, the workplace and you know you don't have to work late hours you don't have to crunch all the time you know take care of yourself because if you take care of yourself it means that you most likely are going to perform much better uh, when you are working your normal hours so i think th that is an uh, another aspect which is i'd at least try to elevate uh, at us yeah i think to totally agree it really like brings uh it's the foundation and like building blocks blocks for success like both both personally and and the company like you have to first first put the like oxygen oxygen mask to yourself so to say to be able to thrive and also help the company thrive yeah i think that's positive that came out of covid people realizing that what's important to them and quality time and people want that even when they're working monday to friday so it's how you can allow people to have that balance i think it's quite nice to see much more on linkedin about people calling people out for working 80 hours a week isn't cool yeah. <laughs> and there might be points in your career that you do have to you know it's different things are different but you have to reflect don't you as an individual for where am i at now and am I going to look back in five years and regret how I spent my time? Like, we don't want to be encouraging people to be feeling that. I was just going to say, I feel a bit sorry for you, Paul, because you're not going to be able to have another podcast on this subject because obviously we cracked it now. Yes, you'd think, wouldn't you? But literally, I think we've had maybe like three or four of these episodes down about creating a healthy culture and literally it's brand new every time just because it's such a broad topic. Like you said the buzzword crunch. Um, there we've had like topics just We've had like podcast episode purely just on that alone, uh, talking about crunch culture, how to avoid it, and how to manage it if you have to. Sometimes have a little bit of crunch as well. Have you seen the gaming industry? So, yeah, I mean, this one is endless because uh, as it is, it will constantly change, and you know there'll be something else in a few years' time, like uh, like lockdown and the pandemic, which will force another shift. You know, in a few years' time, you can almost guarantee it. So, um, as Alice said, some of the benefits that have come out of it, people are getting a bit more demanding when it comes to what they want and how they want to work and live their lives as well, which has only improved the workplace environment as well with people being more comfortable. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs>